At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Pro Football Blitz with former Super Contest winners Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSAN, the sports betting network. Welcome in. Hour number three of the Pro Football Blitz. I'm Brady Cannon live at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. And my partner James Salinas is along via Denver, Colorado. The Dallas Cowboys really putting one on the Washington football team. We are not even to halftime yet. Still a couple of seconds left before they hit the locker room. And it is 42 to 7 in favor of the Cowboys. Dallas and Dak Prescott had a pass completed over the middle where they called a personal foul penalty on the Washington defense. That set up a, not a goal-to-go situation, but into the red zone situation for Prescott and company with 10 seconds left in the first half, and he hit Amari Cooper for yet another touchdown. 42-7 to is your score at the break, and the Redskins take a knee there on the ensuing kickoff, and they will go into the locker room trailing by 35 points. James, the Rams were in Minnesota earlier today with a chance to clinch the NF, or excuse me, with a chance to go into first place in the NFC West division after Arizona's loss to the Colts on Saturday. Los Angeles had won three in a row after having lost three in a row, and they closed as three-point favorites with a total of 48 and a half. You and I both thought this would be a good game and it was a pretty good game. Minnesota trailed the whole time, but they never quit. They forced some Matthew Stafford turnovers. And in the end, it was a failed onside kick that sealed it for the Rams with the Vikings trailing by just a touchdown 30 to 23. Your final Los Angeles does clinch a playoff spot. 
They moved to first place in the NFC West division. Now 11-4 and on the year are the Rams. And with momentum knowing that where Arizona is in the AFC or the NFC West losing three straight games to propel the Rams up front, now that's just more and more incentive not only to get into the playoffs, which they've done, but to win that division when it – I mean, we're talking the, uh, having this conversation a month ago. It was a matter of, well, what was the Arizona Cardinals record going to look like and would they be the overall number one seed? Uh, it was almost like the winning the NFC West was a foregone conclusion. So here with the Rams, yeah, I mean, you're going on the road, and it's always tough to win on the road in Minnesota. Minnesota's going to give a good effort. They're fighting for the playoffs, too. This one really hurt their playoff chances with this loss at home. But I think the bigger loss was the fact that Dalvin Cook was not available out there to rush the football. That was the struggle there for Minnesota. Kirk Cousins always looks better when there's balance out there and they're more explosive offensively, obviously. When you have a player like Dalvin Cook and his home run hitting ability with, you know, he's got the speed, he's got the, he runs with power, and really teams have to, that's part, that's got to be their focal point on defense. We've got to figure out a way to contain Dalvin Cook. Well, the fact that he wasn't there, you know, it's, Alexander Madison is a fine running back, but he's not Dalvin Cook, and that was the struggle for Minnesota today. They had 22 carries for 66 yards collectively for their running backs, and that was with Cousins, there are two running backs, uh, 18 carries for 49 yards. Just no threat of a running game out there for Dalvin Cook. But they still fought and they stayed in it. And I think a lot of that was really the by the aid of Matthew Stafford throwing three interceptions today and setting up some short fields for that Vikings offense, in particular the second half. I think it was back-to-back possessions for the Rams to start the second half that were turnovers via the interception of Matthew Stafford, one that was almost a pick six, but it set him up inside the five-yard line for the Vikings to be able to cut that lead to three. So help the Vikings stay competitive from that standpoint here because the ineptitude of the passing game for Matthew Stafford, and I think part of it was the offensive line not being there on that left side, missing both, I believe, their left guard, left tackle and left guard due to COVID. But Matthew Stafford now, yeah, you made the playoffs, and we haven't seen a whole lot of Matthew Stafford in the playoffs, but now the pressure's on for Matthew Stafford not only to go out there and continue to compete and go potentially clinch that division for the NFC West with a couple more wins, but he's going to have to start playing at a higher level kind of playoff level caliber to win because the it's, it's Super Bowl or bust for this team. There's no, well, you were able to make the playoffs, so yeah, you check that box. That's the first thing you want to accomplish is make the playoffs, which they've done but he's going to have to play much better at the quarterback position for this L.A. Rams team to do anything in the playoffs. And right now, I still don't. I don't trust that offensive line. I don't trust the fact that they don't run the ball consistently. And right now, with Stafford, the way that he's played recently, it's not one that I trust to, to make that play uh, when it counts in the playoffs, especially for the fact that they're not going to have home field advantage. So they're going to have to be going on the road whether it be Tampa and or Green Bay, Brady. I don't know. Is is this a team that's built to go on the road and compete against either of those two teams? Well, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Look at some of their games on the road this year. They barely beat the Colts early in the season. They win that game by three points. Uh, a little later on, they lose to the 49ers outright, got crushed in San Francisco. They lose at Green Bay. Uh, and then they do go on the road and able to beat the Arizona Cardinals, but they haven't looked the same as of late. And then today against a decent Minnesota Vikings team, once again, Matthew Stafford throwing the interceptions. So they have shown, you know, a weakness on the road. And you're right, they're not going to end up with the number one seed, most likely anyway. Well, they wouldn't because they, I guess they already have the uh, tiebreaker loss to the Green Bay Packers. But uh, yeah, they're going to have to go on the road 
And, you know, we've seen them stub their toe at home, too. They lost to the Titans and the Arizona Cardinals at home. I, I just don't know if this team has the entire package, James, and, and maybe most of all a running game. Now, they're supposed to get Cam Akers back, but he's obviously probably going to have some rust if he is able to get back in that lineup. They, they just don't look as complete to me as some of the other contenders. No, definitely not. And, and it's you're going to need some of that balance, especially if they're going to be going and having to play outdoors. If it all falls on Matthew Stafford to have to make plays in the pass game, and he's got players to throw the football to. We know Cooper Cup. Cup's an amazing, terrific receiver. OBJ continues to get acclimated to Sean McVay, and McVay's finding ways to be creative to, to get OBJ some touches and some targets and scoring a touchdown like he did today. But... You know, that's all well and good when you're playing a depleted Minnesota Vikings defense. That is more likely the Vikings are, could they make the playoffs? I mean, they're on the outside looking in right now. I don't think that they will. You think about where the Vikings are and how they're going to have to close out this season. Huge game next week at Green Bay and then finish up with Chicago, who's still fighting and competing here. I don't think the Vikings get in. So this is not a playoff team that the Rams were able to beat on the road. They're going to have to beat some real teams once the playoff starts. I don't like their chances. It's not a team that I'm going to be back in come playoff time. The Vikings will go on the road to Green Bay in Week 17. They will face the Packers on Sunday night football next week. Green Bay opened as a three-point favorite in the original release over the summer. The Los Angeles Rams are on the road as well. They are in Baltimore to visit the Ravens. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets, a combined five total wins between these teams coming in. The Jets closed as two-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 43. And this was the number one draft choice versus the number two draft pick, Trevor Lawrence taking on Zach Wilson. And, James, it was Wilson who provided the fireworks early in this one, a 52-yard touchdown run. That was one of the greatest plays of the entire season for the Jets. Very cool to watch. They went into the half up 13-12 to on Jacksonville. And then this game comes down to the final 12 seconds. New York had the lead 26-21. to Jacksonville had fourth and goal from the Jets' one-yard line. And Trevor Lawrence throws incomplete. And the Jets hang on for their fourth win of the season. Jacksonville drops to 2-13. and 13. Well, Jacksonville, they're playing for looking at seeding when it comes to the NFL draft in 2022. Right. <laughs> and I think for Jacksonville here, uh, this is a team that's going to have to have a makeover because you're going to have a new coaching staff rolling in there. You're probably going to have a whole, uh, a whole outside of Trevor Lawrence. And I don't know what else they are going to have on that roster to roll over into 2022. But I think probably the loss of James Robinson today, did he tear his Achilles? I know he had a pretty significant he did. leg injury he did. in that and, game. And what's awful about that is that might mean he'll miss next season too. Right. And you're talking about an undrafted free agent running back here yeah most likely miss it we're, t- we're talking he's not going to have surgery until sometime in january so thinking about where that jacksonville team is there not only for for next year but this game today how much would it have helped to have james robinson healthy in that game you're talking fourth and goal down right there near the goal line having the threat of being able to run the football i think that's always the key even if you're still going to play action pass and and get a rollout or something like that with with trevor lawrence the fact that you have to be re- mindful and respectful of the running attack with James Robinson in their probably really crucial loss for the Jaguars today, not only for losing this game the way that they did, but 
I mean, who's going to run the football for them? <laughs> you know, I don't know what's left for this team. I and mean, this, this is a team that is already short of talent. They had a lot of COVID issues. They were missing a lot of players on the defensive side. I guess the one thing you can credit is the fact that is as ugly of a matchup it was between these two teams, at least the game was competitive. Yeah, it was, and and actually the Jets, you know, I, I think deserved to or deserved to win this game. They they looked like the team that was hungrier. Uh, they looked like they played with more energy. They had a kickoff return for a touchdown, 103 yards. You know, the the players were into it and excited, and the body language. I know you talk about this a lot. It just did not seem to be there at all for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jets will stay at home in Week 17, hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa opened as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over the summer in that one. Jacksonville will stay on the road and visit the New England Patriots. The Patriots were made five-and-a-half-point home favorites in that one back in June. Uh, They are at halftime on Sunday night football between the Cowboys and the Washington football team. Dallas with a 42-7 advantage after just one half of football. And I did find your second-half lines here, James. The total for just the second half, either at 20 and a half or 21, depending on where you shop. And the second half uh, number for the pick, for the side is pick them. So, so with the uh, Washington football team down by 35, it's a pick them on who's going to win the second half. Well, and you're going to be ultimately you're what you're going to be betting on is the fourth quarter, and you're going to be betting on backups, right? Definitely Dallas's backups are going to come in. You saw that shot that Schultz took over the middle. You're going to have a, and this is an angry Washington football team coming out there. I think both coaches have been around long enough to know when do we call the dogs off? Let's just get the rest of our guys out of here healthy. Uh, I don't want to be. I'm not going to play anything here in the second half. I don't want to be betting on backups. We're already betting on a lot of backups with the Washington football team right now as it is. You wonder how long Dak Prescott will stick around in this game. Stick around with us. We'll be back in just a moment. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. One of the games of the day took place in Foxborough, the New England Patriots at home hosting the Buffalo Bills. New England was coming off the loss to the Indianapolis Colts that snapped their seven-game winning streak. Buffalo was trying to avenge a 14-10 loss to New England just three weeks ago. This game closed Pickham. The money really came in on Buffalo over the weekend and into Sunday morning, 43-and-a-half for your total. Mac Jones had an interception in the first half, and the Bills went into the locker room with a 17-7 lead, and it really felt like they were dominating this game, both offensively and defensively. But New England was hanging around. It was 20-14 to begin the fourth quarter, but that is when really Buffalo turned on the afterburners and ran away with this one, outscoring New England 13-7 in the final frame. 33-21 to your final, and the Bills, if they can win out their final two games of the season, James, they will be your AFC East Division champs when not too long ago it looked like they had a good shot of missing the playoffs. Yeah, they sure did. So thinking about that game, you mentioned in that fourth quarter, it was 20 to 14. There was a big fourth down conversion that the Bills had. And they had a number of conversions today. They were three of four on fourth down. They were six of 12 on third down. That was the biggest piece. The Patriots defense could not get off the field today. And so much of that was because of the the passive nature of what I think was the, the game plan coming in, playing a lot of coverage. We're going to drop seven, eight, sometimes even nine guys on occasion back into coverage. And we'll try to confuse because we there was a couple receivers out. Beasley was out and, and a couple other receivers out for the Buffalo Bills that they were going to have to rely on some others outside of Stephon Diggs and really wrap some coverage around Stephon Diggs and make somebody else step up. Well, it was Isaiah McKenzie who had a massive game today stepping up in place of some of those receivers. But thinking about the Patriots, I just feel like when you when you go into a game plan and you're just going to sit back and you're going to have your DBs and linebackers deep in coverage, deep in coverage, deep in coverage, really takes away the, the physical nature of how defenses, how players play. You want to get out there, and this is the opportunity. This was the Patriots' opportunity to win the AFC East. If they win this game today, they basically, uh, not that they would have clinched it, but they would basically have be in the driver's seat to win the AFC East. And the game plan coming out is, well, we're just going to make sure that they don't beat us and we're going to let them beat themselves. And to Josh Allen's credit, took what the defense gave him, recognized the defense, had a pretty clean pocket for most of the day because of the soft coverage that we saw. And I think it really played out. 
that drive, that drive when they were down, they had just scored a touchdown to cut it to five. It was, I think it was 26 to 26, 21 midway through the fourth quarter. And it was a fourth and two, fourth and three for the Bills, Brady. And it was the keeper. And Josh Allen had to make a play. He scrambled outside. It was well defended. But I think the fact that the Patriots had not tackled very well, missed a lot of tackles. I think it was J.C. Jackson had an opportunity. If he just comes and wraps up, he's got a tackle for loss. The Patriots have the football, and they have an opportunity just down five and the momentum to potentially take the lead late in that fourth quarter, midway through that fourth quarter. But the fact that they had been playing so passive, it was a really poor effort from Jackson with his tackling. He looked, he looked like Teddy Bridgewater just throwing a shoulder out there. He's throwing a shoulder. He's not coming in with the intent to wrap up and be physical. He just threw a shoulder, completely whiffed on it. They get the first down. Buffalo goes in from there, all the momentum. They get the touchdown, and that's pretty much that was party over for the game. James, we talked about it on Saturday. Uh, I thought Buffalo would be competitive in this game because in round one, it was that windstorm up in Buffalo, and that really took away from the Bills' ability to throw the ball, and that's really what they do. They typically don't have much of a running game. Had a pretty decent running game today. A lot of that was Josh Allen, um, but I felt with the better weather conditions that they would be able to throw the ball here in New England today, but you talk about it. If that's the case, I mean, if I know it, Belichick knows it. And so why are you playing soft coverage? It seems like they're playing into their hands, into their strength. If you're going to let these guys throw the ball, that's what they do best. It almost felt like he didn't trust his team. It almost felt like Belichick didn't trust his personnel to be more aggressive. We're going to have to be more more of a conservative style of defense. I don't even think about I'm not even thinking about the offense. I'm just strictly thinking on the defense because that's where this game needed to rely on. It couldn't have come down to Mac Jones and the Patriots offense to try to get out there and match scores. It was going to come down to this defense just like it did on a couple Monday nights ago when they were able to go in and yeah, the weather aided the game plan for the Patriots to just strictly run the football. But the fact that Josh Allen had 47 attempts throwing today, no sacks today. They only had four quarterback hits. I'm surprised it was even that many when I'm looking at the stats. He was had a clean pocket all day because there was no pressure up front. It was whether we're going to get there with three or get there with four. It was more so we're going to play coverage and try to disguise coverage and see if we can confuse whether it's Josh Allen or confuse some of the new – the. The receivers that were going to have to step in there, and again, Isaiah McKenzie, to his credit, made some tremendous catches off some very timely throws from Josh Allen, in particular on third down. McKenzie had a great game. Talk about stepping up and next man up. McKenzie really filled that void for the Buffalo Bills receiving core, but never really saw any adjustment throughout the four quarters for the Patriots from that standpoint on the defensive side. Like, all right, they're fine. They've adjusted. The Bills are throwing. They're being disciplined. Josh Allen is not trying to stretch the field. He's taking what they give. He's taking what we're giving him. We've got to make some kind of adjustment here comes second half. Just never really saw that out of the Patriots defense. And again, I just think that just plays into the, when, when you're playing more passive coverage like that, you take away the aggressiveness of that team to come up and tackle and tackle in space and saw it right away early missing tackles early in that game and both teams were you're going to come ready to play I mean the division's on the line so you knew the Bills were going to bring it I know they were talking about well it's personal for the Bills every game should be personal this is what you play for this is your job you should be bringing effort and energy each and every week and if you've got the division title on the line absolutely you're going to bring it I, the, the intent was going to be there it was the game plan from my mind especially the defense for the Patriots that never adjusted through the course of four quarters uh, you mentioned it. The Bills were 6 of 12 on third down conversions. The Patriots were just 1 of 10 
Uh, the Bills were turnover-free, and they out-yarded New England 428 yards to just 288. The Bills return home to host the Atlanta Falcons. New England stays in Foxborough to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars in Week 17. And we mentioned if the Buffalo Bills win out, they will clinch the division. They take on the Falcons next week, and then they wrap up with the Jets. They will be big favorites in both of those games. The afternoon window kicked off in Seattle where the Seahawks were playing host to the Chicago Bears. Nick Foles got the start at quarterback for Chicago in place of the injured Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. Seattle was a a six-and-a-half-point favorite for most of the week, but they did see the money come in on their side and it ticked the line up to seven prior to kickoff, 41 for your total. It was a snowball up there in the Pacific Northwest, 25 degrees at kickoff, and Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf for a touchdown got the scoring underway, and it was seven to nothing. Seattle, David Montgomery and the Bears they answered back and tied it at seven, but then Rashad Penny walks into the end zone, makes it 14 to seven in favor of Seattle. This was back and forth with the scoring all day long, even though Seattle did go into the halftime break with a 17 to seven advantage. Now the exchange of scores continued in the second half and we started the fourth quarter, Seattle owning a 10 point lead, 24 to 14. With just over a minute left, Chicago gets a touchdown. Nick Foles throws a touchdown pass. They successfully go for and convert the two-point conversion. Chicago takes this one. A huge surprise in the fourth quarter, that last-minute turn of events. 25-24, the Bears get this one outright as underdogs. Plan to win. What else did Chicago's – they were 4-10 and ten going into that game. The season's lost for them. Guys are trying to compete for jobs. The coaching staff with Nagy there, I mean, I, I can't imagine he's going to be back as the coach for the Bears going into the next season. But he's going to show out that he's still going to coach in the NFL, and I'm still looking for a job beyond this season. We're still playing to win. So credit to that side where, yeah, again, you're going to go for it on two, go for go for a two-point conversion to take the lead late in the game. What else do you have to lose here? And the fact that if it can come down, and I think you would tell these coaches, thinking about the Bears' perspective, Perspective. You're the underdog going into this matchup. You're on the road at Seattle. The weather's miserable. You've got Nick Foles. This is basically your third-string quarterback having to step in and perform today. And he performed very well, especially in the second half. Really struggled in the first half, just like everybody did because of the weather. But really found a rhythm in that second half. But yeah, you go. It comes down to you're the underdog on the road, and you have one play from the two-yard line to go win the football game. You got to make the play, and it comes down to the execution. And it was a terrific catch in the back of the end zone, almost like a one-handed catch that he made on that two-point conversion. That was a terrific play. So credit to the Bears, still fighting, sitting at four and ten coming in this matchup. It would have been real easy for them on a short week to to give a lackluster effort. They competed for sixty minutes and came out with the win. How about this, James? In Pete Carroll's twenty-seven years as a head football coach at any level. This is the first time he's ever had a 10-loss season. Pretty remarkable. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive, Brady. That's the consistency, right? It's talk about consistency for a coach at any level that your team is – you don't have – means you're competitive each and every year, and I think that just speaks to – yeah, it helps to have Russell Wilson on your team each and every year that he's been there in Seattle for the most part. But, yeah, it just speaks to – I think it just speaks to a winning culture that, yeah, not so much for this season, but – from years past. Yeah, good for good for Carroll. This not this season for the Seattle Seahawks. They will stay at home in week 17. Seattle will host the 
Lions and the Bears return home to host the New York Giants. Chicago originally made a two-point favorite in that one. We'll be back in the Pro Football Blitz. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Save 50% off of a VSIN all access subscription for the rest of the football season with our big game special. Get access to our in depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting split showing you where the money's going on every game. Sign up today and you'll also get our daily best bet emails, weekly betting guides, 24 7 video, plus our all new college bowl betting guide covering every bowl game. It's all only $39 at vcin.com slash subscribe. The Dallas Cowboys and Washington football team, they have resumed action in the second half. No change on the scoreboard, still total domination by the Cowboys, 42-7. to They remain 35.5-point favorites in the live market. Your totals come down slightly to 66.5. And a little prop check here, James. You, of course, had under the total passing yards for Taylor Heineke. I believe you said the number was 225 or so. Uh, I'm showing he's only got 89 yards passing so far. It was 223 and a half to go under that. And well, Heineke did complete a pass in the second half. It was for minus four yards. It was a tackle for loss. Again, more pressure in his face. He's been pressured on basically every one of his dropbacks, but they keep having him step back there and face the rush. He's been sacked three times. He's been hit, I think, seven times and, and intercepted twice. And it looks very similar as far as the pass rush going and knew that was coming this Defensive front for Dallas is finally healthy. You mix in Micah Parsons now. He is no longer a rookie. This guy's playing. This guy's playing like a, a. I mean, with the speed of a rookie and the fresh legs of a rookie, but with the the poise of a veteran, just has great instincts for getting after the quarterback and making plays all over the the, the football field. But for the Washington passing offense, I mean, how, I, I I suspect once we get through this, I'm I'm kind of surprised actually as we're watching this Brady that. Dallas is still slinging the football around here with Dak Prescott. He's still dropping back. He's had a clean pocket for the most part, but he's the fact that they're still throwing the football the way they are. We're midway through the third quarter. Washington showed absolutely no. They've had one touchdown drive. That's it. It's been an inept night for this Washington offense. Not really sure why they would continue to have Dak drop back and sling the football. I would start working on this running game. I just think by the time we get to the fourth quarter, we should see a massive amount of backups for both of these teams coming in. you got two veteran coaches here, Brady, with on both sides, both sidelines for both of these teams. They don't want to see anybody get hurt. Dallas is looking at the playoffs coming up here in a couple of weeks. They want to get through this and get on with it. I suspect we'll start seeing more of a running attack for both of these teams. And as far as the Taylor Heineke passing total is going to be concerned, yeah, I'm not too, I don't think that's one right now that I'm feeling like I'm going to have to sweat out. Yeah, looking good so far, better than a 130-yard margin with about eight minutes left in the third quarter. Dallas punts the ball back to the Washington football team. Again, 42-7, to your current score in favor of the Cowboys. Uh, with a loss, Washington uh, will basically be knocked out of the playoff picture in the NFC. The Pittsburgh Steelers at 7-6-1 and one, were still in the hunt for the playoff picture in the NFC after getting a win over Tennessee at home in Week 15. They were in Kansas City to face the Chiefs, winners of seven straight, and they're on extra rest were the Chiefs after beating the Chargers 
last Thursday. Early in the week, it looked like Kansas City was going to be without Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey due to COVID. They did get uh, Tyreek Hill back in the lineup, but Travis Kelsey did not clear protocol and was out for this game. This line really bounced around upon that news uh, throughout the week, but eventually ended up closing minus 10 in favor of Kansas City with a total of 44 and a half, a little bit of a lower total because there was high wind there in the stadium at Arrowhead, up to 20 miles an hour or more, and you could see it really throughout the game, especially in the early going. Uh, ben Roethlisberger threw an early interception, and before you knew it, the Chiefs were out to a 14 to nothing advantage on the Steelers just in the first quarter. And at halftime, they were pitching a 23 to nothing shutout, and this was starting to get ugly. For the Steelers, James, well, I tell you what, it got even uglier as they turned the ball over again to begin the second half, and then the Chiefs quickly made it 30 to nothing. And this was basically over at that point, if not even earlier. Pittsburgh could not do anything all day long. They fall to 7 7 and 1, or excuse me, yeah, 7 7 and 1, 36 to 10, your final, and Kansas City has won eight in a row. Well, and that's been the theme of this Pittsburgh Steelers team on offense. The last five games, they were shut out today. You mentioned they were down 23 to nothing at the half. Those four games prior to this, their first half total, collective total of point, nine points in those other four games. So the last five games, and in the first half of each of those five games, they've scored three field goals. You're putting their defense in a, a constantly behind. You're always behind the sticks from that standpoint here. And I think we're seeing with the Steelers this offensive line. It, it, we knew this coming in. It was a completely new offensive line. A lot of rookies up there. And it's going to take some time to get some moving pieces, parts to start to find some chemistry up there. And were they going to be able to get back to the Steeler football of rushing the ball the way that we've seen in years past that we're so familiar with this? The physical, the physical nature of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the offense, and Big Ben being able to to capitalize on their running game, throwing the football down the field. Well, he doesn't have the capacity to throw the football the way that he once did, and this rushing game has never really taken off. Najee Harris, I know Harris had almost 93 yards rushing today, but a lot of that came in the second half, kind of just garbage time when Pittsburgh called it good, and here we'll just hand the ball off, let's get out of here and move on the next week. I, I feel like what I've seen from Najee Harris is he doesn't want to run up inside anymore. Uh, there's not much to run. There's not much opportunity for him to run on the interior anyway. But, you know, I think he's taking some shots this year and he's trying to bounce it outside. Let me go find a corner to take on as opposed to taking on these linebackers in, in between the tackles. And this is just a really inept op- offense right now for the Steelers. And it's really put so much pressure on that Steelers defense to sustain. Now, I know the Steelers have made some comebacks in those other four previous games. They did that. Uh, Uh, multiple games being able to come back and put themselves potentially in playoff contention here. And I know mathematically they're probably still alive, but with the Steelers offense going forward, this is just going to continue to be a struggle. This is not going to get better and it's not going to happen in these next two weeks. And thinking about where the Pittsburgh Steelers go from here, I mean, they've got to have the the grudge match on Monday night against the Cleveland Browns, and then they finish up at Baltimore. Tough for the Steelers to find their way into the playoffs, considering how they're playing offensively and then how their schedule plays out to finish out the year. If you look at this turnaround for the Kansas City Chiefs, it was through about the first six or eight games of the season. You remember how much they were struggling, and we'd never really seen Patrick Mahomes. He had never, I believe, turned the ball over in his career in the month of September. 
and they were minus 11 in turnover differential again through about the first six or eight weeks of this season. Since then, they have turned it around really 180 degrees, James. They are now plus two. They've gone from minus 11 to plus two in turnover differential, and now at 11 and four on the season are the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, take that back, 10 and five, I believe, is their record atop the AFC West division. Um, but we often look at how this defense has pr improved so much uh, during this eight-game winning streak and really putting the Chiefs back in contention to win another Super Bowl here. Um, but also, I think you have to look at this offense and how they've been protecting the ball and not giving it away. Certainly, the defense responsible for some of the takeaways, but the offense no longer responsible for a lot of giveaways. Right, and I think when you don't have to, and I think that was what, the offense was feeling early in the season where the defense couldn't get off the field. They were constantly giving up points. So it was Mahomes and company feeling like, in particular, Mahomes forcing a lot of bad throws, saying, look, I've got to try to score basically every time we touch the football because our defense is playing so poorly. Now the defense has made that turnaround. A couple of different reasons why they've done that with Chris Jones moving inside more of a, a, a one and three technique as opposed to being on the on the edge. And also the change at safety with Thornhill coming in in replacement of Sorensen. I think that's really catapulted this defense. And then Spagnola will do that. They will make some change. They'll try some things early in the season with his personnel, see what works, see what doesn't, and then adjust from there. And we've seen the adjustment for sure, during this eight-game winning streak, and it's really benefited Patrick Mahomes to feel like I don't have to be and play hero ball each and every time I touch it because we're not worried about feeling like we have to score every time because now our defense is getting off the field. I was right the first time. The Chiefs are 11-4 and four and atop that AFC West division, and I believe they clinched the division with that Chargers loss today, so the Chiefs looking good there, and uh, there's a blocked punt by the Dallas Cowboys, and this just gets uglier and uglier for the Washington football team as Dallas takes that one in for a touchdown, I believe, off of the blocked punt of the yep. Washington football team. The uh, Chiefs, uh, they've got a tough game coming up, too, in Week 17. This will be very interesting. They will travel to Cincinnati to face the Bengals, who are currently on top in the AFC North division. Kansas City opened up as a 7.5-point road favorite in this one over the summer. Pittsburgh will go back home, as you mentioned, James, to face the Cleveland Browns. That'll be on Monday Night Football. That game opened as a pick em when the lines were first published over the summertime back in June, but that Kansas City-Cincinnati game is very interesting. I don't know if Kansas City is going to be that big of a favorite. Will they be a bigger favorite? I mean, Cincinnati looked awful good today in their domination of the Baltimore Ravens. It'll be interesting for playoff implications that game as well next week in Cincinnati, the Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Certainly one to keep an eye on. We'll be back. Final segment, we take a look at one more game on the board and preview the Monday Nighter before we wrap it up right here on the Pro Football Blitz. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, he's gonna guard, and then on I'm top not of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because then I need it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Sign up for a Play Card Debit Mastercard and get paid faster than a paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready to roll with Play Card. Visit playcard.com today to apply. Subject to card activation and ID verification, terms and costs apply. Card issued by MetaBank NA, member FDIC. Wrapping up the Pro Football Blitz, Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you. Next up, it is the opening line show as Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans get you ready for Week 17 in the NFL. Also, some bowl games coming up on the college football schedule. They'll have all the lines and breakdown for you as you start your handicap for the following week. The uh, Dallas Cowboys now get that blocked punt and touchdown and lead the Washington football team 49-7. to A 41-point lead, or excuse me, a 42-point lead for the Washington football team, and there's still about five and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, can Rivera just wave the white flag and say, Let, let's quit and, and go home, James? I think he's trying to, but the Dallas defense didn't has not tackled very well on this drive and allowing allowing Washington to move down. Now they're just outside the red zone. But, yeah, I think when you get to the fourth quarter, the game's over, and they know that. The game was over. Basically, the game was over in the first quarter. 
here they're going to want to just get out of this. They don't want to see anybody get hurt. And you know, there's going to be some friction. It's a rivalry. These teams don't like each other. And then you're that, you know, you start getting that nastiness about you. We already saw the a fight on in a sense, or at least some, uh, a swing and a punch on that Washington sideline. Their own teammates here, guys are going to get upset. You don't want to see anybody end up taking a cheap shot or somebody getting hurt because you're still playing at garbage time. So I suspect after, probably after this drive here, we'll see what happens. Tied Heineke on the ground again under pressure. Another hit for Dallas, another incompletion for Heineke. But I think come fourth quarter, the white flag will be waved, and most likely on both sides, both teams will just run the football and get out of there and let that last 15 minutes run. You talked about uh, teams will remember from what happened the season before. Of course, Washington sweeping Dallas in 2020. Looks like uh, Dallas is going to sweep Washington, returning the favor. I I imagine Washington will remember this one next year. So maybe keep that one on your schedule when Washington plays Dallas in 2022. Uh, The Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders, two teams playing for their playoff lives in the AFC, and the Raiders closed as one-point favorites with a total of 41.5, but there were a lot of pick-ems in the market, so take your pick if you want to call the closing line a pick-em or Raiders minus one. After a scoreless first quarter, the Raiders drew first blood with a Derek Carr to Hunter Renfro touchdown. Brandon McManus converted two field goals for the Denver Broncos, and it looked like we were going to go into the break with the Raiders leading 7-6. to six. But with 26 seconds left after the ensuing kickoff, Derek Carr threw a screen pass, and it was intercepted near the line of scrimmage, batted up in the air by Bradley Chubb, and he returns it all the way to the one-yard line of the Raiders. Javante Williams plows in for a touchdown, and instead, Denver goes into the locker room ahead 13-7, to an amazing turn of events there to end the first half for the Raiders. But the Raiders had a great first drive to start the second half, and they were back out in front 14-13. They added a field goal in the fourth quarter. 17-13, your final. The Raiders still alive for a playoff spot. They eclipsed their season win total. They moved to 8-7 and seven on the season. Well, and you saw that at the end, not only with the interception at the end of this, or close to the end of the, uh, the second quarter, but also there was a fumble with basically two minutes remaining with Josh Jacobs. He was out in space trying to tuck the ball. He runs, you know, the more you see him run, and he, he runs with power, and he likes to get in there and mix it up, but he's got to do a better job of taking care of the football. He didn't get hit. He just fumbled trying to, I think, trying to tuck it, left the ball down there, led to a field goal. Basically, this game should have been the Raiders' 7-3 to lead at the half, and like you said, all of a sudden, it's a 13-7 to des- uh, deficit that they faced, but I think they went in at halftime, and and said, look, Josh, we believe in you. We're going to pound the football. And that's exactly what that drive was when they came out of halftime. I know he didn't end up finishing the final score, get, getting the score because they had to put him on a run because they put him on the sideline because he had run the ball so hard so many plays prior to that. But it was I, I like seeing some faith in your players. And I like Josh Jacobs, and he's one of my favorite players in this league. If you know his story, he's somebody that you're going to root for of, of how he grew up and the fact that he is in the National Football League. He plays like it. He plays hungry, and he plays hard. Uh, just needs to do a better job of carrying the football. But I like the fact that the Raiders went at halftime and said, look, we still believe in you. We are going to feed you the rock, and we're going to go win this football game. That's exactly what they did. I mean, Josh Jacobs had a sensational day rushing the football, 27 carries, 129 yards. And for me, I was it was all about going against Drew Locke in this standpoint. There was nothing offensively for the Denver Broncos. They were relying on that running game. They rushed the ball very well between Melvin Gordon and, in particular, Javante Williams through really the second half of this season. 
No rushing game today, Brady. They completely dominated and bottled up Javante Williams. Seven carries for 12 yards. Melvin Gordon, seven carries for minus four yards. And I think we can attribute a lot of that with the return of Denzel Perryman. He had missed the last couple games. He is by far the leading tackler. He's a great playmaker in the middle of that linebacking core for the Raiders. He was back today. He was all over the field making plays in the run game, plays in the backfield, out in coverage. He was sensational today. And the Raiders wanted this game much more than the Broncos did. That was really the handicap with Drew Locke going into this matchup. This is not a player that this team believes in. Not, not only with the players itself does it inspire a lot of confidence offensively, but with the coaching staff. The coaching staff does not like him, Brady. They do not want him to be out there. The only reason he's there is because of uh, the injury to Teddy Bridgewater. It was made clear this week that when Vic Fangio was asked, what does, what does Drew Locke, what can he do to win this starting job going forward? What does he have to do in this game against the Raiders? He said, it, it means nothing. It, he can't do it. Nothing that he does, no matter what happens, Teddy Bridgewater is our starting quarterback. When you go in with that mindset with your starting quarterback, what does that say to the rest of your team? This was not a very inspired effort out of the Denver Broncos today, and they played like it. Yeah, you know, this was very confusing. We talked about it earlier in the program that there were a couple of games that the game plan uh, was very hard to comprehend. And this was absolutely the most puzzling for me. I mean, the way I handicapped this game, I said, okay, Denver is a top 10 team in stopping the run. They're a top 10 team in rushing the football. And they're going against a team that's a polar opposite. The Raiders have a very anemic rushing attack and they can't stop the run. And, and it was absolutely flipped today. The Raiders ran the ball down the throat. Denver could not stop the run. And, and they didn't choose to run the ball. You just mentioned the rushing stats for Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Uh, it, it's like it's almost like the coaching staff wanted to see Drew Locke fail. And we're not going to call running plays. I mean, I can't imagine that was the case. But you talk about how much dislike there is for Locke. And, and, and boy, it just didn't look like the game plan was there to help him at all. Uh, the, the running game did not show up. I mean, Drew Locke wasn't even that bad. He was 15 to 22, 153 yards, uh, didn't have a touchdown, but he also didn't have any turnovers. Uh, it, just a very, very weird effort for me out of the Denver Broncos. Yeah, he wasn't bad in the, in the stats. He was terrible on third down. Collectively, they were one of 10 on third down, not moving the sticks and having to punt the football. They only had 40 plays of offense. The Raiders had 67. But to your point... Yeah, I don't. I don't think the coaches are trying to sabotage a game, but they're they do not like Drew Lock. There were some issues that happened with him last year off the field between he Lock, his family, and the coaching staff did not sit well with the coaching staff and or some of the folks in the front office there. So to that standpoint, yeah, Drew Lock didn't. They didn't do him any favors today as far as not committing to consistently rushing the football. But I think more so discredit to the the Vegas defense. They were ready to play today. Perryman coming back that was key, but Matt. Max Crosby, man, what that guy's got a great motor. He was all over the place making plays. We think of him getting into the backfield and getting after the quarterback, but he was great in the run game, too. You saw the effort out of that, uh, out both sides of the football for the Raiders. It was much more of an inspired effort for the Raiders than the Broncos. Congratulations to our Las Vegas Raiders. Again, they go over their season win total. That was seven or seven and a half, depending on when you got that, and they are still alive in the race for the postseason in the AFC. All right, James, one more to go here. The Monday Nighter, that'll wrap up Week 16 in the NFL. The New Orleans Saints hosting the Miami Dolphins. We know the story here. Ian Book will be at quarterback for New Orleans. They opened as three or three-and-a-half-point favorites before that was announced, and then Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon not available for New Orleans. So now the Miami Dolphins, as it stands currently, three-point favorites with a total of 37 
Do you think you'll be involved with this one on Monday night? I probably will. We know there's a lot of COVID issues going on and a couple of injuries with the New Orleans Saints need to confirm who's actually going to be out there. Not so much on the offensive side. We know what it's going to look like offensively. Taysom Hill not being there, I don't know if that hurts the passing game. He hasn't been accurate at all. He's not an accurate passer to begin with. But I think for the Saints, they'll do what they need to do rushing the football. Alvin Kamara will be out there. That's going to take a lot of pressure off a book. But I'm not a believer in the Miami Dolphins. I know they've won the six straight, but five out of those six games were at home against some of the worst teams in the league. Now you're going to go on the road and face that Saints team. If that front four is available for the Saints tomorrow, and I suspect the front four will be, the pressure that they can put, it's not a good offensive line for Miami. I think we're going to see some mistakes out of Tua. We're sitting now with the Saints plus three. That's the way I'm going. It's going to be Saints or nothing for me. This is the lowest total on the board of the week at 37, and rightly so. Both of these defenses have been very stout, both in the red zone, on third down, you name it. Good defenses. That is going to do it for us. Next up, it is the opening line show with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans. Thank you to our technical crew. Thank you to our producer, Dan Miller. James, thank you to you. Merry Christmas, everybody, from all of us right here at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.